On today's episode of The Pickup, we take a quick look at the NFL schedule release and just highlight a few key games that we're excited for, and then we dive into a huge baseball episode. Um, we talk a little bit about what's going on in the AL Central, the NL East, and then we have two really fun games we play where one, we go through position by position on who's the best player in each position, and then we actually do a snake draft of drafting our own teams. A lot of fun, nice episode to give you guys heading into the weekend. We hope you guys like it, and let's head into that. And welcome back to The Pickup, episode 19. That's right, the second time you guys will be hearing our beautiful voices this week. We're recording this at 9.15 p.m. on Thursday, May 13th. You guys will be hearing this on Friday morning. What's going on, Drew? Uh, not much. Just chilling. Kind of a, a low-key day, you know, just getting some stuff done, finishing up some summer class assignment. But uh, just kind of mm-hmm. chilling out, prepping for the episode tonight was good today. I'm, yeah. I'm well prepared, I feel like, for today. That's what you like to hear. So all of the question of the day today. So if you had to get rid of like never existed, never got to see them play. They have no effect on the sport. If you were to get rid of each best player in the four major sports in the last 20 years and just never knew they existed, nothing ever happened with them, which one would it be? LeBron James in the NBA, Tom Brady in the NFL, Mike Trout in the MLB, or Sidney Crosby in the NHL? I mean, I'm not a huge basketball guy, so I have to say LeBron <laughs> – <laughs> just, I mean, just simply due to the fact that he hasn't had a bearing on my life at all. He hasn't made me love or hate basketball. It's done nothing really for me. You know, Tom Brady, you grow up watching that group of quarterbacks. Tom Brady was like the leader with Drew Brees. Those were the top two guys the whole way through. So it was cool watching them grow up, watching them as NFL like stars. Um, and, and neither one of them took like the spotlight from day one, like Tom Brady wasn't the starting quarterback on day one. You know, Mike Trout wasn't the star in his first seat. So it was cool to watch those two. And Sidney Crosby was just kind of the guy that everybody knew. He's done a lot for the sport of hockey to get, and he's on your yeah. favorite team. So we know who your answer is not going to be, <laughs> but I, I think to me, the, the reason I would say LeBron also is because you hear so, so much about him. Yeah. On every every platform, every system that you can get information from, it, whether it's from ABC News to Fox or CNN, his name's everywhere. And it's just kind of like I, I, I don't think I need him to be everywhere for me to be happy with that sport. So I have to say LeBron in that aspect. What about you? Yeah, no, I can see where you're coming from, because if you look in basketball, there's a lot of other people like Kevin Durant could have taken that yeah. position away from him and. Steph Curry, especially as well, could have been that. Whereas in hockey, Sid being there has been phenomenal. But <clears throat> I hate Tom Brady, so I, I would have no issue getting rid of him. I would have no issue tossing Tom Brady out the window over there in New England and just never having to deal with that. Imagine how many Super Bowls the Steelers could have at least four or five in this last 20 years instead of just <clears throat> two since Tom Brady's been or three since Tom Brady's been in the league. 
So that's who I would go. It's just an interesting question. I'm sure everybody would have different answers, and I'm sure there'd be arguments too of who are the best players in all four sports over the last yeah. 20 oh, years. Oh, yeah, there's definitely like, – like, That was a, just a personal yeah. thing, but – Yeah, there's a ton of argument you get from NBA because yeah. it's such a – and I don't want to say stat-driven, but if if somebody has one better season and win an MVP, there's so many categories that you could fall under – to be considered the best and people have different views. Do you want to win games? Do you want to win championships? Do you want to win individual things? So it's kind of depending on what you hold near to you in that aspect. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, what's uh, what you got for us on the hot tub and ice bath? Let's start with ice bath. Today. Start with ice bath this week. Yes. Well, yes. So this is rather recent, which I was just talking to you about before we started. So Udonis Haslam's been on the Miami Heat all season, and he's been like a character guy. That's what he's been for the past couple seasons. He got to play in his first game of the season today, ejected within the first 10 minutes of the game, just out. Couldn't do it with Dwight Howard. Those two already buttonheads. heads. Just thought that was pretty funny, pretty sad for him too. I'm like, dude, it's your first time playing all year, and you're going to get ejected in the first quarter. Like, nice one, pal. Go sit in the ice bath. Second of all, another one we talked about <laughs> – TPC Craig Ranch for the golf tournament for the PGA is out this week. Why do I feel like that I am at a par three municipal course in the middle of BFE right now watching them play? They're literally grass square patches all on the outside of the green. There's lines on the fairways from saw that they look like they've just laid down within the last 48 hours. And it just does not look like a uh, PGA tour level course at all or a TPC level course because the tournament players club courses are supposed to be pretty much top of the line as it gets and this course is just embarrassing to look at so I'm tossing those two in the ice tub I'm I'm proud of you for saying municipal that was a good a good (laughs) word of the day for you there I'm proud of you um I don't have like a true ice bath so I'm going to continue to throw the constant in there and just say MLB, you know, Rob Manfred, I'm sure that something will hit the news headline sooner than later about them messing something up. But um, I, I don't know. I think a big a big thing that we can just kind of like take a second to talk about is just kind of like where the MLB's at. You know, I mean, take a step from being fans and just look out on it. And there's a lot of things that I think that they could be doing, you know, mm-hmm. and, and – Again, Javi Baez, again, just last night, went and got in another pitcher's face and actually made contact with the player. With If you look up the new COVID rules in baseball, you are not allowed to make contact with the player within the six feet. That's a COVID rule. And if mm-hmm. you're supposed to get an ejection, whatever, suspension, and there has been nothing done on that. There wasn't anything done when he jumped out of the dugout. And I think this leads me to the front the front office of the MLB not taking a stand against certain players because they're scared to go after. And I don't even want to say go after, but they're scared to put those players on the bench for two games, a game, whatever it is. But if you have a name like Javi Baez or uh, Tim Anderson, they're not going to suspend you. And to me, that's incorrect. Well, the issue is with that is kind of what they're doing with Tatis, but Tatis isn't like a fighter per se and aggressive and getting people's faces. The MLB pushed Javi Baez so hard. They even put him on what last year's MLB, the show cover. He was like kind of the poster boy they were trying to have before Fernando Tatis Jr. And it would just look really bad on the MLB's part. 
if um, they went from pushing him so hard to having to actually suspend him as much as they actually would. Like, you know, it's not like yeah, not that I'm not, disagreeing I mean, with it, but like from the MLB, like you're screwed if you do, screwed if you don't at this point. Yeah, see, but I don't I don't think you're screwed if you do. I think that you get more of a do. The only people that are going to be upset with you for doing that are people that live in Chicago and root for the Cubs. And I hate those people anyway. And I know you <laughs> do too, because they sit in the central and they think he's the best player in baseball. I mean, I just don't understand why we don't at least hear a statement on it. You know, yeah. and it's just kind of letting things fly. But that's my ice bath for the day. Another MLB. Got to fix it, guys. But uh, <laughs> hot tub for you. Let me hear what you got. Yeah, so hot tub for me, I'm going to stick with a trend that I had last time, too, in the alcohol lane. So Connor McGregor was the number one earning athlete of this past year. I think it was $188 million he made from his proper 12 whiskey, which is just absolutely insane. I mean, $188 million from a guy that fought in the UFC prior to that was a kid in Ireland living on welfare stamps. I mean, With his just, mom. Yes. What a story. Just what a story. Yeah. Good for him. Uh, granted, his fighting hasn't been great. Let's hope that'll pick up. And he's also 32. He's worth hundreds of millions of dollars. It's kind of tough to yeah, he did, he did train. take some time off. Yeah, it's kind of tough to want to train that hard to possibly get your face punched in when you're worth two to three hundred million dollars. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. <laughs> and then my other hot tub, I'm just going to toss the Pittsburgh Penguins in there. We won the East Division in the NHL officially, uh, finished off the season 37 16, 77 points total. Nobody said we could do it because we were in a division with the Washington Caps, the Islanders, the Boston Bruins, the Rangers, the Flyers, and we've been eight and two in our last 10, and we came through and did it. So just shout out the Penguins. Yeah, that's a, a good story. Both of those you can be on board with, not having anything against those. Um, my first hot tub of today, and I'm excited to share this because I got to per source, <laughs> per source this. Uh-oh. <laughs> so there has been 6,500 NFL players who take the mental aptitude test, okay? Yeah. Justin Fields has scored one out of all of those. Wow above 100 is great like that's outstanding score Mahomes is at a 110 Justin mm -hmm. Fields is that's the next closest to Justin Fields Justin Fields scored a 130 wow so that's wild is that what yeah. they call like the wonderlick test is that what yeah it's like so it's like a baseball it would be the equivalent to like a baseball IQ test Okay. Like when they, before the draft, they run you through the situations and just kind of questions it's the, the mental aptitude test, and it's it's a really hard test to succeed at if you're not super great at the sport. And obviously, like we have said, the potential is there. It's untapped potential, really. And that, to me, shows that there's even more behind the curtain that we don't know about in the mental side of the game for Justin Fields. Yeah, for sure. Definitely seems like a smart kid. And, I mean, we're both high on him, and hopefully he can translate because – I guess yeah. this leads us into our next thing because no, I got, I got one more hot tub. Oh, one more. All right. All yeah. Right. I got another hot tub. transition and next. <laughs> I, uh, I felt uh, good and called today to kind of give this as my hot tub tonight. Drew Robinson. Yeah. Is yeah. A triple a baseball player right now for the Texas Rangers. Very emotional story. A very, obviously an amazing human being uh, a year ago, actually it was 13 months ago. Uh, tried to take his life during the COVID, uh, and just just two days ago, hit his first career 
triple-A home run since that incident. And that was actually, I think it was the second day of triple-A baseball. He yeah. has he shot himself in the head. It did not work. A suicide attempt. It He lost an eye. So he is hitting home runs and playing Major League Baseball with one eye. And for those that don't know the story, that don't know the deep part of the story and the dark places that that can lead you to be in, I, I very, very strongly encourage you to go check out his E60 and just listen to kind of what the guy says. And one of the quotes that I loved is that you you are not a slave to your mind. You are the master of your mind. And I mm-hmm. think that 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 is kind of like an outstanding quote to me. And the first time I heard that was today. And that's kind of a, a kind of a crazy thing to me that a guy who really isn't too much older than you or me yeah. is dealing with this and is on that track. And, and obviously I'm ecstatic that he figured it out, that he's good, that he's okay. And I hope nothing but success for this kid and, and anybody that's struggling with anything, their places and, Getting help is not anything to be ashamed of. And if you need people to talk to, feel free to DM the Instagram, find us, whatever you need. We will talk sports with you to get you out of a tough place. Me and Steve will be here because yeah, that's nowhere. Sure. Nobody wants you to be in that place. Everybody is loved. We'll be there for you. But this is just a great story. I I strongly push people to go read this and watch the E60. It's outstanding. Yeah, it's definitely a, a great E60, and it's a great story and all, dude. I mean, we weren't hitting home runs with two eyes, and this guy's out here with just one eye being able to read these pitches, and it's yeah. it's just a wild thing. So then kind of going off to what you said before this with Justin Fields and the Chicago Bears, so I'm sure you've noticed as well, Chicago is on primetime football way more than they should ever should be. I think they were one in four last year on primetime games with Nick Foles and Mitch Trubisky as their quarterbacks, and they had the maximum amount of primetime game slots, which I still to this day don't understand why. I know they're in a big market in Chicago. But once again, this year, tied for first with the maximum amount of primetime slots with five. So please to the Lord, let Justin Fields be exciting and good. (laughs) I I can't deal with watching Nick Foles on primetime again or Andy Dalton on freaking primetime. Stop putting the Bears in primetime. I don't understand. I so, can't watch those those uniforms. It's not even the dude, players anymore. It's just the uniforms. Dude, I can't tell you how pissed off I would get last year. I'm like, oh, of course the Bears are on Sunday night football again. Like, why would they not? But like, why aren't and the they? only and the only exciting person to watch is Allen Robinson. He catches two or three balls a game. Yeah, so it just defeats it, the purpose. Exactly. And like, if we're lucky, <laughs> if we're lucky, Cleo yeah. Mack might get a sack <laughs> or like decapitate somebody. If we're lucky, like, God, on, so, on the good on the good nights. Yeah. So we're just gonna look at a few games just real quick of um things we're looking forward to. I mean, I think I can say for both of us, obviously week four, Tampa going up to New England is going to be absolutely insane. The before part with like New England appreciating him and everything and like the video on the scoreboard to the after part when it's like the hugs and friends with old teammates and we'll see how the Belichick reunion goes and also who wins, see if someone's a little salty or not, maybe. I'm excited (laughs) for that one. If Mac Jones is the quarterback and wins that game (laughs) week four, Bill Belichick needs to walk over to Tom Brady and just say thanks for leaving. We got a new one. He would and have just that leave. smile, that Bill Belichick <laughs> smile that he has. <laughs> oh yeah. man, no, I, I agree. I think I think the biggest game that I'm excited for outside of that one, obviously, because that's a huge game, yeah. is the Chiefs and Bills Week Five. Yeah, because 
I'm excited to see because that's an early matchup for those two teams, especially. But I mean, they're going to be in in full swing. Hopefully, everybody's healthy for that game. We see everybody. Mahomes hopefully is fully healthy after his toe, foot, whatever it was. Uh, hopefully that that Bills defense is settled and that we can see an outstanding game. And hopefully it's not one of those like 63 to 60 games, but like a 28-21 would be outstanding just to watch actually two offensive teams see the opposite sides of the ball there. I think that's going to be a good matchup, and I'm excited to watch Josh Allen play Patrick Mahomes in a regular season after one. I think that's a big, big week to watch. Yeah, and dude, week one and week one is insane. Like right off the bat, like starting off from like a lower yeah. tier game, but still like super exciting to watch. You have the New York Jets going to the Carolina Panthers. Sam Darnold facing his old team, the team that just shipped him out of town. Yeah, yeah. It's already starting, and then you have the Pittsburgh Steelers <laughs> having to go to the Buffalo Bills, which is a big time matchup. And then you have the Chiefs and the Browns which is another huge matchup, which the Browns are definitely, I think, the unluckiest team of week number one. Because yeah, yeah. you could argue that's a pretty easy 0-1 start considering they have nine they have nine new defensive starters this year. Yeah, but in, in their defense, nine of those starters that are new are very good starters. You know, I mean, those are very good ads. Those aren't like they, they do. They just don't have that names. chemistry. I can just see them looking yeah. at each other a lot when Patrick Mahomes just kind of tears them apart. Like, yeah, oh, I, I thought see, you were going to be there, but like he wasn't actually there. See, but I may take the opposite look at it. I'm not saying they win, but I, I may take the opposite look and say, well, they didn't have those guys last year. Maybe it's a whole new kind of switch. And I'm not saying the lack of chemistry would be good because that's not a good thing but maybe after OTAs and some of those offensive or offseason things, they get a little bit better chemistry and they're good to go. And they go after him week one, you know, because now there's a bit of a template to how you need to attack Patrick Mahomes. And yes, Mm -hmm. I know the line was out. There wasn't a whole starting five, but still, I mean, Tampa looked like they had something figured out covering Tyreek Hill and going after Mahomes in the same flip of the coin so i'm excited to see that if that template rolls out week one yeah and can somebody tell me someone I don't, if someone can break this down for me so the steelers win their division last year have the hardest by win percentage and record from last year hardest schedule in the nfl the buccaneers win 10 games last year win the super bowl and have the fourth easiest by win percentage like excuse me how do you have the fourth easiest schedule in the nfl after coming off of a super bowl that that just irritates me. And they have a bye week nine, which is exactly where you want your bye week in an 18 game season, literally at the halfway point. Like could Goodell be sucking off Tom Brady or down in Tampa, like anymore. I just think it's hard to have a difficult schedule when Tom Brady is your quarterback. I think it's a very easy schedule when, or a very hard schedule when Ben Roethlisberger is running your helm at 46 with peg legs. Well, but, no, it's the, it has nothing to do with the teams. It's literally like the win percentage from the teams from the year. No, I, I mean, I get that. But, like, the other, like, jokes aside, side of that is, I mean, last year's win percentage doesn't really mean much to this year because the Browns two years ago, their win percentage wasn't great. And then they won second in the division and went to the playoffs and did things that haven't been done in a very long time for them. So, I mean, I don't read into the stat like that too much just because it doesn't 
I mean, stats can be misleading. Like, obviously, you want higher win percentage, but to a token, if you have one guy out all season that's your starting quarterback, a.k.a. say Joe Burrow, if he gets hurt week five after only playing five games, and that kind of hurts you the rest of the year, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, I would look at it a little bit, but not, like, dive deeply into, like, that necessarily as a stat I would call it, hang my hat on. But I get where you're coming from with that. So you said you don't read into that at all with, like, the whole scheduling percentage. But do you read in at all to the fact that the NFL also has the Green Bay Packers on the maximum amount of primetime games you can give a team as five? And do you think they maybe have been talking to the Packers or have some type of information knowing that he can't, he's not going to be traded? Because I don't see the NFL would put five games on primetime with the Packers if a Jordan Love or Blake Bortles, who they signed today, is going to be their quarterback. So do you read into that at all? Uh, I mean, uh, I look at the stat a little bit when it comes to the record. So maybe this I look into by – I don't know. It's it's hard to me for me to put those in the same. But what I'll say about it is, like reading into it, I don't know if they have any information. But I also think Goodell and whoever puts that together, yeah, there and says what's the what's the realistic likelihood that they get rid of Aaron Rodgers? Because he can't just not play. You have to do your research for sure. Yeah. So my thing about that, you can't just say, okay, just because you didn't do anything for me, I'm not going to play. You signed a contract to play. If you don't want to play, we won't pay you. That's your, that's your fault. That's your problem. So to me, it's, it's slightly different and hard to put into kind of like a, a easy word, but I, I think, yeah, they may have a little bit of insight to say they're probably not going to trade him. Um, but being a Bengals fan, uh, I had a conversation today about it. And we had Carson Palmer several years back before Andy Dalton, who was yeah. a huge trade value. We didn't do anything with it, and it bit us in the butt. And then he goes off, and he gets worth a little bit. So, I mean, it was it – was, it's hard to watch this because it's clearly different because this is just Aaron Rodgers being a crybaby, to be honest. I mean, Tom Brady with the same situation a little bit in – uh, New England at the beginning of his career, the first four seasons. I, I mean, and he turned it into a Hall of Fame career and literally the best quarterback to play the game in terms of Super Bowls and wins. So I, I think he's kind of being a baby. So they're going to keep him and make him push through. I think Goodell knows that. So that's why he they gave the four or five, whatever you said, five, I think, uh, yeah. primetime games. Plus, I think we also have to look into who they're playing in those games. And I don't know, I think you do know. So if you want to tell me, I think that's kind of a bigger indication on why they got those two. Yeah. I mean, I don't have the games off like rip, but yeah, I definitely think that they would think that uh, Aaron Rodgers is going to stick around because if you just kind of compare it to an NBA situation, the Rockets of Houston have um, the Rockets have been on Christmas and primetime games with James Harden there for the last six or seven years and this year when the schedule came out before, James Harden and the Rockets were not on the Christmas game because now the Christmas game's like a six-game slate. Um, and that means that it seems like Adam Silver might yeah. have reached out to Freeman, to Freeman Fertitta 
I'm sorry, Tillman Fertitta, who is the Houston Rockets owner and kind of knew that trade was going to happen once the rumor started. Yeah. So they didn't put him on Christmas. So I assume Goodell would have reached out to, I guess not the owner, but Gutekinds and the board that they have over at Green Bay and yeah. been like, hey, like, do we think this is going to happen? Like, or can I schedule you guys for prime time? Because obviously nobody's going to want to watch um, a Green Bay or hold on. Let me actually pull up a game, one of their primetime games, because nobody's going to want to yeah, watch. Well, well, the other thing, too, is, though, to that point, I think if Aaron Rodgers leaves, I want to see how Green Bay does without it. Maybe not every game, but there's some people that won't watch the Monday night on September 10th that'll catch the Sunday game on September 24th. You get what I'm saying? Yeah, but I don't want like I don't want to watch Minnesota Green Bay week 17 Sunday night football against Minnesota if Aaron Rodgers you know, is there. You don't want to watch Kellen Mond and Jordan Love go at it. Oh good lord, dude. We should see if there's a futures <laughs> bet on that. If those two do that, oh, be like plus man. dude, those odds would be insane. Jordan yeah, Love and it, Kellen Mond like starting plus, that. Plus twenty thousand to plus four thousand that uh Jordan Love wins. Yeah, I mean you have to give that game to Jordan Love off the bias, right? Yeah, uh, but that would be I, I mean, I get what you're saying. I definitely wouldn't say that there's a lot of pull if Aaron Rodgers isn't there. But at the same time, Goodell's never been the true, like, and I don't want to say intelligence is a factor here, but the seizing of opportunity, <laughs> you know, because you could put a, a Joe Burrow versus Trevor Lawrence, Jags, Bengals game on a prime time. And I don't yeah. know if it is. I, I haven't looked yet and I, I'll take a look at it, but that game I'd much rather see than Minnesota and Packers. If Aaron Rodgers isn't there. Yeah. So you just have to kind of be careful how far deep the answer really is. Cause I don't, it doesn't seem like there's a solid, like, yeah, this is what they did yet. So we'll see. And, and that will lead us into baseball tonight. The MLB kind of the exciting part of the night for me. Uh, we have two games to play, but first let's touch on the AL Central and the White Sox going to the top. Cleveland was there just, what, two days ago yeah. at the top. Two or three days ago was at the top. Uh, Kansas City sitting in the middle, uh, and then Minnesota dropping, dropping, dropping to the bottom. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this AL Central has been insane, you know. Like uh, you guys know, Byron Buxton's not my favorite player. So he's kind of what I'm calling uh, Russell Westbrook right now with all these empty stats that he has because his stats that he may be putting up for the first time in his career, finally putting up stats, aren't leading to winning sitting there at 12 and 23 and 3 and 7 in their last 10. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, it's definitely kind of useless stats to sit there. And, you know, I mean, you is like he, to have is he a winning Is he a winning player in MLB The Show on your team? Uh, f- yeah. yeah. Where does he hit? Sure. Where does he hit in the lineup? He hits three for me. <laughs> I'm going to be honest with you, but I got Otani in the four hole. I got to have my boy Craig Biggio in the two, though. <laughs> That's um, funny. But, but how about these Cleveland Indians, man? I remember we talked about it a while ago when Trevor Bauer got signed. His whole contract was worth more than the Pirates, Orioles, and Indians' whole entire lineup. And the Indians are second place in 20 and 14 in the AL Central, which is pretty impressive to say the least. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely not something that I was expecting. I don't know if you were expecting it or no, not. But no, I, I mean, definitely not. 
I was, and I mean, their run differential is the crazy thing is they're plus 17. And after mm-hmm. losing Lindor, that's kind of the crazy part to me. That's what stands out is it's plus 17 run differential is crazy. But, yeah. hey, I mean, obviously what it looks like right now is they made the good side of that deal is letting him go. But to the other extent, is he's starting to heat up a little bit. So we'll see. We'll keep up with that too. Yeah, and I think a big thing too is then looking at the actual leader of that division with the White Sox, who we both said we thought they would win that division. Like we thought the Royals might be good for a little bit, but we thought the White Sox would overtake. And mm-hmm. in my last week's uh, picks, I actually picked the White Sox over the Royals, which we'll get obviously get into more later, but ended up working <laughs> out. But I think it's because the White Sox, they become a more complete team now. So if you look at their stats, they are first in the AL in batting average. They are first in on-base percentage third in OPS, they're third in walks, and then you go to pitching, they're second in home runs, first in earned runs, uh, fifth in strikeouts, first in hits, second in ERA. Like just they've become a much more complete team over the last couple weeks, which is kind of what we expected from them. Yeah, they definitely have turned it around quite a bit, which I'm excited to see that and watch that happen. Um and then the Mets, also touching on Lindor. What do you think about that kind of stepping into that uh, that one spot up there? Yeah, so the Mets right now are 18 and 13, which mm-hmm. is good for first in the NL East. Then you have the Phillies at 20 and 18. We're not even going to talk about the Braves today because I've pushed that topic pretty much every week for the past, like, month since the baseball season started. (laughs) And they still are just 17 and 20. They're not giving us anything to talk about. And the Marlins are 16 and 20. The Nationals are 14 and 19 and kind of showing their true colors now going three and seven in the last 10. But, yeah, so I guess I'll answer this question first and then give it to you. But is this the Mets division to lose at this point? And I'm just going to go with yes, because the Braves don't look like they're turning it around right now. Uh, they have quite a lead on the Mets. I mean, the Braves are 17 and 20 and the Mets are 18 and 13. So that's what five, six, that's eight more wins uh, the Mets have than the Braves have right now, which is a pretty big differential. And with the pitching that the Mets have, I could definitely see them winning this. And I don't see, I mean, I know I put myself in the cold tub because of, um, what Frankie Lindor was doing batting average wise before and just in general, but he's up from the buck 60. He was hitting last week to two Oh two this week, and he can't stay in a slump forever. I mean, this guy's just way too good. And I think this Mets team, I mean, I, at this, I mean, I know we're still really early in the season, but I mean, I think I've got to say it's their division to lose at this point, just because of the discipline, not because they're going to be great, but more of just the disappointments from the rest of the division. Yeah. I think it's funny that, uh, about a month and a half ago, we sat there and said it was the Atlanta Braves conference or division to lose. So I'm going to go with, yes, it is now the Mets to lose and the Braves to win, I think. Yeah. I think we need to see a, a, a huge flip turnaround for the Braves and them to kind of start winning some baseball games again. You know, it's it's weird. They started out the game today with a – a two-run first inning, I think, uh, led off the game with a home run on the first pitch. Uh, it ended up losing to the uh, Blue Jays. So that's kind of a 
an interesting game. You know, that was a weird one to watch because they started out hot and then ended up losing it. But, uh, I mean, we'll see how that goes. And, and speaking of the Braves, because they have Acuna Jr. and he is very good, that leads us into something I was excited for tonight was the games that we have planned. We have a back-to-back kind of system game tonight. The first is who we think is the best at each position. There is no mm-hmm. particular order. I think I'm just going to go kind of out of order how I random generate it on the thing, I guess. So let's start in right field. And I'm going to say it is Ronald Acuna is the best right fielder in baseball currently. Yeah, but. no, I definitely have the uh, definitely Ronald Acuna. I mean, it's a shame. I think he just got hurt, right? He growing or something like that. And he just got some type of injury, which sucks to see. But, yeah, I definitely have Ronald Acuna as my uh, best right fielder as well. I mean, his stats speak for themselves. And it's just – it's extremely hard to pick against Ronald Acuna right now and just the lightning that he is for the Braves and the MLB in general. Yeah, no, I agree. And he's just a top talent and a a top face right now. Uh, And then I'll move into shortstops because I'm kind of going, I guess, big name to maybe smaller pitching – um we'll go shortstop I'm gonna take oh man I'm gonna take Trevor Story (laughs) okay I I think he's great uh I hits for power hits for contact uh a little bit of speed I think he's a great great shortstop right now and I think he right now and I'm not saying all year but right now this week on this podcast he's the best shortstop in baseball yeah, right now I'm going to go with Xander Bogarts from the Boston Red Sox as the best shortstop. I mean, his hitting stats are insane. He's hitting 348, Agreed, yeah. 408 on base. And while 26 strikeouts isn't a lot, I'd like to knock him down a little bit. But if you compare it to the other shortstops in this competition, Bogarts is at 26, Tim Anderson's at 33, Trey Turner's at 31, um, Bo Bichette's at 43. So while I'd like him to knock the strike downs, strikeouts down a little bit, it's not bad compared to the rest of the other what are considered like top shortstops in the league. So I'm going to go with Xander Bogarts there. Yeah, no, I like that for sure. Uh, I'm going to jump to the opposite side of second base and go with second baseman. And currently this year, right now, I'll, I'm going to go with Jeff McNeil. Mm-hmm. as the best second baseman in baseball right now. Uh, I mean, right now through the first little while, he, he's hitting 316. He's got 384 on base, and he's hitting 511 in the slugging, which is a, a very good, very good stat line through the first half of the season. So, I mean, that's that's good. I'm glad to see that. So I'm going with Jeff McNeil. Yeah, Um. so for my pick – you can take this how you will. I mean, best batting average out of anybody at the second base position right now is Adam Frazier from the uh, Pittsburgh Pirates uh, hitting 299 right now with the 370 on base percentage. I couldn't wait to throw this out there. <clears throat> but no, I mean, I think it's definitely tough to call him the best second base second baseman in baseball. I just wanted to throw that out there. But second baseman's tough this year, dog. There's not like a single like guy that sticks out, but – I don't know. I think he's he's picked it up a lot more lately, and I think guys have to. Uh, I don't want to say it. Jose Altuve. I mean, he's back. He's hitting two ninety three right now. He's a hitting machine. He's been finding his stride lately, and 
I, I don't know if I could consider anybody else the best second baseman in baseball besides Jose Altuve if he actually continues to figure out what he's been doing for the past couple weeks. Uh, it's yeah, tough. I, I understand it's tough that. to pick him, but like, I mean, he was what we considered the best second baseman for what three or four years before the whole scandal happened. So, yeah, I mean, it's easy to be the best when you're cheating, but it's hard to stay the best when you don't have that ability anymore. And I definitely think he's still a good player, but. I hate him. I think everybody should hit him at least <laughs> once. Um, but moving into pitchers, uh, we'll go starters first. I think this is pretty easy because DeGrom got hurt. He's yeah. kind of off the list for me. So to me, I'm going to go Garrett Cole. Uh, mm-hmm. Five and one, one three seven ERA. I mean, 52 innings, 78 strikeouts, which is an outstanding. And his whip is under one. So, I yeah. mean, that's a... a just a good year to start, you know, through six games or through eight games started, actually, excuse me, you have a, a five and one record. And that's, I mean, a very, very good start to the season. So I'm going to go Garrett Cole. Yeah. I think you got to go with Jacob DeGrom being hurt. You got to go Garrett Cole. Like you said, I mean, five and one, one three, seven ERA, just an absolute baller. And he actually, um, he actually has 52.2 innings pitched, which is, I think, the way I'm looking at this, at least out of the top 25 pitchers by ERA, that's the most out of any of them. And he's a 1.37 ERA with the most innings pitched out of those top 25 guys, which is phenomenal. But just keep an eye on John Means out of Baltimore. Just through that no-hitter, 4-0, 1.21 ERA, and 52 innings, just two outs less than Garrett Cole, with still 53 strikeouts and only 10 walks, which is impressive. So, Garrett Cole's the better pitcher, but still extremely um, just a guy to keep an eye on, just an extremely talented guy, even though he's in a foreshadowed like Baltimore organization that's not getting a bunch of looks right now. Yeah, no, I I hear you. I get that. Uh, I'm going to move into third baseman. And it's very, very hard debate because Arenado's always up there. Uh, Rendon's always up there. Uh, but I'm going to knock those two off immediately. And to me, I think it was a tough one between Bregman and Turner, but I refuse to put an Astro as the best. So I'm going to put Justin Turner as the best third baseman of baseball, currently hitting 307. His on-base push slugging is almost a, almost 1,000. It's 939, seven home yeah. runs. So, I mean, he's getting it done. You know, he's got 23 RBIs already. I, I, I like him. Uh, we drafted him in the Reds. So, I mean, I, I think that's a great baseball player. And I think I'm, I'm going to keep following him all season. Um, but I think he's the best third baseman right now in baseball. Yeah, I don't think he's the best. But real quick, can we just acknowledge Starling Castro at this point in his career hitting 309? Like, that's extremely surprising. I don't think he even hit that high in his prime when he was on the Chicago Cubs, like that high of a batting average and just what he's doing in the game today. I don't think he's the best, but... I just think that's the guy to keep an eye on. But, yeah, I mean, if you look at stats-wise, I mean, you could definitely argue Alex Bregman, but I'm going to go with Justin Turner as well. Uh, he's only, what, eight, nine, ten. He's only four ticks lower batting average than Bregman with uh, two more home runs, um, more doubles. Obviously, it's for better power and still keeps yeah. that great average. So, yeah. I'm going to go. And, I mean, his on-base percentage is way better, too, 374 Bregman compared to 404 Turner. So, I'm going to go with Justin Turner as well. Yeah, all right. Let's let's shoot across the field to first baseman. Easy yeah. for me. I'm going Freddie Freeman. Love him. Mm-hmm. Outstanding baseball player. Uh, I mean, they're they're having a down year. He's having a down time right now. 
But what I think that we're seeing from Freddie right now that we haven't seen is the home runs are up, but the power or the average is down, right? Mm-hmm. So he's got nine home runs, but he's only hitting 214. But to me, knowing who Freddie Freeman is, I think that's a very easy fix for him. In a month from now, he's hitting 256, 260, you know, in that range. So I'm going Freddie Freeman is the best first baseman of baseball right now. Yeah, I'm going to go with – no, I'm kidding. Colin Moran, another Pittsburgh Pirate. Just got to shut uh, him out. 297 hitting so far. No, uh, I'm just going to go with Eric Hosmer. He's still hitting 305. Well, he slowed down a little bit, but he was on MVP pace for quite a few or quite a bit of the beginning of the season. Um, hitting 305 right now with four bombs. like to get that up a little bit, but six doubles, 40 hits. Um, I don't know. I like Eric Hosmer a lot. I think he's important to this team. Only 19 strikeouts which is by far the lowest throughout first baseman that are slugging that high in all of those stats. Moving into the left field position now going in the outfield, a uh, little bit, a little bit of bias, I guess you could say, but I also think it's not completely out of the realm. I know who you're talking about and I've, and I've them too, if it makes you feel better. Well, uh, I'm going Jesse Winker is the best left fielder in baseball right now. Because he's hitting 377. He has 20 RBIs, which is second behind Ozuna for left fielders. He has seven home runs, which is up there in left fielders. And he's, his on base plus slugging is 1099, which is top of the league up there, top three. He's average is top in the league. And, and he's getting it done in the, out, in the outfield also. So to me, it, this was kind of a no brainer. I get to watch him all the time. So I know how good he is. But I'm going. Jesse Winker in left field is the best left fielder in baseball right now. Yeah, I honestly don't have a problem either calling him the best left fielder in baseball, especially looking at it from like a hitting perspective. He's sitting 377 right now. Yeah. yeah. Michael Brantley's in second at 310. And if yeah. you just go all the way to 10th, which is Andrew McCutcheon right now, 227. The left yeah. fielder, the left fielders in the MLB, like right now, just they, they're not putting the ball in play. And as an outfielder, you need to be able to put the ball in play and get base hits. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, him hitting 377 is phenomenal. He's got a 1.099 OPS. There's not a single other left fielder that has an over 1,000 OPS right now. Yeah, but I mean, obviously, I could go on and on and talk about Jesse. Cheers on, cheers on that's, cloud nine right now. That's my boy, man. That's my boy. Um, but we'll move into center fielders, and I'm going to go Alex Verduke. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I was about to say, there's only one right answer. <laughs> best center fielder in the MLB is Mike Trout. I mean, it's pretty simple and easy. I could sit here and throw stats at you. I'm not going to. I'll let Steve do that if he wants, but I'm not going to do that. I think it's pretty I mean, simple to say center fielder Mike Trout. Yeah, I mean, eight home runs, eight doubles, 355, 477 on base, getting on base pretty much half the time. Um, just absolutely insane guy. Uh, leads walks by a mile. Not going to get too much into it either besides that, but best player in the game, in my opinion. Best Been the best player for a while and definitely the best center fielder right now. Yeah, I I simply have zero issue with that at all. You know, and, and he's out player but the next guy in the next position I think that I'm interested in looking at is the catcher position and this one mm-hmm. is is fairly difficult because what do you want from a catcher you know like there's a lot of things that you can look at that you might want from a catcher but to me what I'm going to take in the catcher 
I'm going to go with, oh, man. It's uh, <laughs> it's hard because JT Rio Muto is, is in the major leagues and he's an outstanding baseball player. But I'm a big fan of Will Smith in Los Angeles. Yeah. But I'm going to go JT Real Muto is the best catcher <laughs> in baseball right now. It's just so hard not to agree with that. It's kind of like the Mike Trout in the outfield. I can throw stuff at you, but I'm not going to do that. So I'm going to go JT Real Muto. Yeah, no, it, it's definitely hard picking a catcher because you can look at it whether you want an offensive guy like JT Real Muto or maybe you're a more defensive guy, not saying Yadier Molina is the best catcher or people consider him that, but just that style of catcher, like Roberto, a more of a ball Roberto smotherer. Perez. Yeah, exactly. More of a ball smotherer and um, just kind of a player like that from the defensive end. But yeah, I'm going to go with uh, JT Real Muto as well. Uh, he's just been balling out. And that's been a big thing growing up since I was the catcher. A big thing is catchers were supposed to focus on defense more and they weren't always about being offensive. And that's something I really like about JT real Muto is he's able to play solid defensively. And while he's stronger offensively, he still plays solid defensively. But I mean, when you're getting production out of your catcher spot at 314, 520 slugging, I love that. And his strikeouts as well, as I've said from some of the other players are far lower than what are considered some of the other best catchers in baseball, whether it's Salvador Perez, Will Smith or Wilson Contreras, so I'm going to have to go with JT Real Muto as well. Okay. I mean, yeah, that's a – obviously it's something I would agree with and I'm right on board with. Uh, now let's move into the relief pitchers. <laughs> to me, this one was fairly easy. It jumps right out to me as one that I think was undervalued last year on their playoff run and the year before when they started to become relevant. I think Nick Anderson from the Rays – is the best relief pitcher in baseball right now. Two and one, 0.55 ERA, 19 games pitched, six saves, 16 and one innings. He has 26 strikeouts and a 0.49 whip, which Mm -hmm. is is pretty outstanding to me. I I think it kind of goes without saying the next closest – ERA that I saw was Drew Pomeranz at 198, which I'm sure that there is lower, but that's just the closest I saw. So I'm going to go with Nick Anderson as the best reliever in the game. Yeah, I mean, you literally just laid my whole entire case down, so I don't really have to say much (laughs) on that end. So, um, yeah, you can go to the next one if you want. I'm right there with you. (laughs) Well, that's – I think we drilled all the the nine positions, the relief pitchers. I just lumped closures into that. So now – Let's go back up that list in the order that we did it and draft players. That's the second game we're going to do, kind of a snake draft. Uh, I'll let you go first because I'm sure that you're not going to take my relief or closing pitcher. I'm almost positive of that. Um, you can go first. We're going to go from to the right field where we started. Uh, I'm going to let you draft first. It's off on you whenever you're ready. Wait, where did you say we're starting? Reliever. Relief pitcher. Okay. Yeah, relievers. Relief pitcher. Um, I'm actually going to take, as much as we just talked about Nick Anderson, I'm actually going to take Josh Hader as okay. my first relief pitcher off the board. Uh, I mean, guys, just only let up one earned run all year in 14 uh, innings and two outs. He's uh, 3-0 and so far in 15 games. I mean, he's got 26 strikeouts compared to six walks. And, I mean, he's just about as good of a guy you can get. He's going to come up there with dominant stuff, and uh, he's lefty, so that already makes him just a bit nastier. So I'm going to go with Josh Hader. 
Yeah, and I, I like the pick. I'm going to go, and the reason I didn't say this guy in the re- relievers is because I was saving saving this for my team. My boy out of the pin, Aroldis Chapman's my relief pitcher. I have yeah. zero doubt that this man can get it done. I think this is a lot of the reason why the Yankees have turned their season around. I think they didn't have somebody in the beginning that they felt comfortable going to, and then they found out that, hey, Aroldis can still get it done at 33. He's 2-0, 15 games, 9 saves, 15 innings, and 31 strikeouts, 0 ERA. Yeah. So I think that's a pretty simple pick for me in the reliever role is (laughs) Aroldis Chapman. And then I'm going to move to catcher, and I'm actually going to take Will Smith as my catcher so, I mean, I kind of talked about him earlier. I don't need to do it again. Yeah. You're up no, for catcher. Oh, so that makes it pretty easy for me. I can take JT yeah. Real Muto. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like I said, growing up, like catchers were always supposed to be those defensive backstops. But as a yeah. catcher, me personally, I was a bit smaller. So I was able to bring that speed aspect into my game. And I love it when catchers can bring in another different type of facet into their game besides just straight defense. So I like it that he's able to bring that offense in as well with JT Real Muto. Yeah, I like that. Go ahead. Who's your center fielder? Yeah, so for center fielder, I'm so happy I get the first pick on this one. I get to go with my boy, Mike Trout, who I raved about last week. Or, I mean, yeah, last week. I mean, I've got a gold token. I've got a lanyard with Mike Trout. I've got a Los Angeles Angels hat. Got quite a few Mike Trout Angels memorabilia. Not, not, not calling myself a fan or anything, but my dad definitely hooked me up when he went out to Anaheim and went to the Angels <laughs> Stadium and everything. So, got to go with the guy, Mike Trout. I'm going to... I'm going to – I mean, nothing really to say. I'm going to go and jump on the Byron Bucks to Dane Lagan in my center field. He's hitting 360. He's got a 1-1-8 on base plus slugging. <laughs> he's got nine home runs. I mean, he's an athlete. You hate him, so it makes it a little bit sweeter for me to pick him. Um, but I think he's a good baseball player. I think he's getting it done right now, so he's my center fielder. Um, and then left fielder. Oh, I am so glad I get to get this first. I'm going Jesse Winker in left field. So through the first four picks, my team is Aroldis with Will Smith, mm-hmm. Brad, Byron Buxton, and Jesse Winker. You yeah. are up. You are up for left field and first base. Left field and first base. All right, so for left field, yeah, I mean, we kind of just talked about how we thought, like, overall, Jesse Winker was uh, the best overall left fielder. And so now I guess I'm going to go – I don't like taking these Houston guys, but if it makes me feel any better, Michael Brantley wasn't a part of the Houston team that was cheating. So I'm going to go with Michael Brantley, who's hitting 310 right now. Um, I, I want some power – or not power. I want some, like, hitting productivity out of, out of my left fielder, like – my just kind of stereotypical left fielder, I think of they've got a decent arm, they've got decent speed, nothing spectacular, but they're gonna like they're gonna hit as my left fielder. I'd like maybe a little bit more power besides just three home runs that Michael Brantley has. That's not bad comparing him to other left fielders throughout the game, but the 310 is not shabby at all for me, uh, for him hitting wise. So then going yeah. over to first base now. Um so first base, obviously, you want a guy with power. You want a guy who's going to be able to stretch out, get those picks, just be an all-around um, good player. 
And I talked about Eric Hosmer earlier, but I'm actually going to go. I don't know. He's dropped off a load. I might have to go with Eric Hosmer. See, it, I love Matt Olson. He was a lot hotter about two, three weeks ago when we talked about him and the Oakland A's, but he's kind of dropped back a little bit, only hitting 261 now at this point. So I think I'm going to stick with Eric Hosmer uh, going for my first baseman. There's some other good candidates up there, whether it's Yuri Gurriel from Houston or Jared Walsh from Walsh. Wow. Jared Walsh from the Los Angeles Angels. But I'm going to go with Eric Hosmer for my first baseman. Okay. I appreciate you doing that. I'm going to take Freddie Freeman as my first baseman. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, no second surprise. guesses there. Yeah. Yeah. I'm happy with it. Uh, my third baseman, I'm going to go Justin Turner. Pretty simple. Uh, I think like you were saying, my prototypical and stereotypical third baseman can throw the ball across the diamond, good fielding. And it has that power that Justin Turner has, but still hits for that, that good average that he's got right now. So I'm going Justin Turner and you're up for, or no, yeah, you're up for third baseman and starting pitcher. Yeah. So for third base, uh, I'm trying to like, formulate my team like looking at it from a lineup perspective as well not just from like straight positions and so this is where it gets a little bit tough for me because right now I really like the way that Chris Bryant's been playing this year I mean hitting 308 with nine bombs really been putting it together this year but then also you have Alex Bregman who's a super consistent player who could be that top of the lineup guy for me. And I don't have a quite a top of the lineup guy so far that could hit lead off where Bregman can do that. So I think for that reason, I'm going to go with Alex Bregman because I feel pretty confident when we go later throughout the draft, I'm going to have enough power to make up for what I may be losing and not taking Chris Bregman. But Alex Bregman's got 374 on base percentage and I can slide him into that leadoff spot. And he's going to give me a little bit of pop too. It's not necessarily just going to be like base hit after base hit and I absolutely loved Alex Bregman before the whole cheating scandal happened. He's been, I don't know about you, Drew, but for me, Alex Bregman has been the hardest player for me to like, have to like, not like after the whole cheating scandal, because of just the fire that he played with. And he's not a big guy. He's like my size, kind of like how I like Justin Thomas in golf. Like, cause he's like my size and not a big guy. Like Bregman's not a huge guy, but he's put in the work and everything and he's just a great all-around player and I hate that he was a part of all of that he's he's definitely been the hardest for me to get over through that whole scandal but I'm gonna go with Alex Bregman I say Frick and me cheated he's an idiot <laughs> don't cheat yeah, if but you no don't that's a be... question though that's a question though who don't is cheat like... if you don't want to be disliked I didn't like any of them before you didn't okay no I mean they were all I mean it was fine it's the Astros cool they're good at baseball now I know why and I feel zero guilt hating any of them because I didn't like them before so I think you're an idiot if you choose to cheat at a game that you get paid to do. Uh, and this is a child's game. You just get to be a grown man playing it, and you ruined it from the top down trying to cheat. <laughs> so I think that all of them shouldn't even be able to play baseball. They should have got suspended for seasons. You can work on it and go play in the Mexican League with Yasio Puig for all I care, but you shouldn't be allowed to play baseball with the guys that well, played it respectfully making- and did it right. Thanks for making me feel good about my picture. <laughs> no, I mean I don't I don't I don't have anything against like your pick, but I just think I mean if you want to talk like and obviously you asked me if it's hard, I don't think it's hard at all because again like Well no, I, said, I just meant for Bregman, not as a team in general, just Bregman because I Yeah, but Bregman. he but he still cheated. He was still on the team, he knew it was going on, he still went with it, so he can go play Hispanic 
uh, Japanese. I don't care what league he goes to play in, but it pains me that I have to watch him play in the league. That there are guys that did it right, got paid less, and are better than him playing the game. And I have to yeah. watch him continue playing it, knowing he cheated and has a World Series ring because of that. Yeah. So for so, my pitcher, am I allowed to take Degrom? Uh, I mean, it's up to you. He's not going to pitch for you for a little while. Can so. Josh Hader throw me like? Can he start a game for me? He's definitely not going nine. <laughs> He'll go two tops, two and a third. Yeah. If I'm two and a Use third, an opener, then move him, move him to left. Have Brantley come <laughs> pitch, then move him to right. But you, I mean, so hey, whatever, right? Do, do I take Shohei to get an all-around player as well? Hey. I think that I feel like that's a sneaky pick that you might have been thinking about. I, I actually wasn't. I can't it say, but it didn't enter my mind because I wasn't thinking about it. But I mean, yeah. that's not a terrible idea. No, I'm gonna go Garrett Cole, uh, former Pittsburgh Pirate. I loved the kid for so long. I uh, definitely hurt when he got traded to Houston and then went to New York. Definitely more to Houston. I understood him going, or definitely more going to New York. I understood him going to Houston because everybody in the world and their mom noticed that he was developing into like one of the greatest pitchers in the game, current game in Pittsburgh, but the run support was just not there. The coach support, the other pitching, the relief pitchers, nothing was there for him. So as much as it upset me, I understood it all. And if I can bring him back on my team, I would. So I'm coming with Garrett Cole. Yeah, he cheated too. Um, hey, I'm but he go. was on the pitching side, so a little bit different. Yeah, it doesn't matter. <laughs> well, you know, real matter. quick, real quick before you make yours, that's what's interesting because the Yankees for so long, and I mean much understood, Oh, we hate the Astros. Oh, F the Astros. Oh, they're cheaters. Aaron Judge or John Carlos Stanton. I don't remember which one. I think it was Aaron Judge. He said they didn't deserve or earn the championship, so it should be taken away from them. And we saw what happened just a couple of weeks ago. But Garrett Cole is on their team. Like, how do you – do you think that was something they could just, I guess, kind of look past? Or do you think that was, like, something they really all had to, like, work through? Uh, I think I think for at least spring training, he sat at the back of the dugout and talked to the athletic trainer. That's it. Because yeah. I'll be honest with be... you, if if I'm a, if I'm a role this Chapman, and he walks into my dugout and tries to talk to me, I think I would fight him on the spot, knowing yeah. that he knew it was going on and just kind of let it go. And, and yeah, I get it. It's hard for one of the, it's one of those hard things to like speak out against, but it, it's such a bad thing to just be a part of that I would almost rather be looked upon as the guy that came out and told people and hated by my team knowing I'm going to be a free agent than be the guy that has to join a new team after knowing that it was going on and didn't say anything. Cause it makes you look kind of like a little wuss that you couldn't stand up for the game of baseball, the way it should be played. But that's just my opinion. I mean, don't take that for yeah. To that would have been something really cool to like see, or maybe hopefully after all these players are retired, some like stories we can hear is like when these Astros players went to other teams to like, see how those other teams reacted to like those players joining them. I'd be scared to go somewhere else. Um, Honestly, yeah, dude. Like, yeah, dude. dude, the ball, like the balls it would take to go somewhere else, knowing what you just went through, and yeah. like, you could if go Altuve, there, like you Altuve, could go there and end up with like no friends for like a long time. If Altuve, Bregman, or Correa come out as free agents anytime soon, their career's over. Just go ahead and retire. Nobody's signing them. Um, <laughs> my starting pitcher, I'm gonna go Hinjin Ryu. I think he's literally just pitching outstanding right now. Uh, yeah. The ERA is just below three, but he's got 38 strikeouts. Uh, so I'm, I'm excited about that. Just just above a one whip. Uh, and I'm going to move in the second baseman. And I'm really glad I get to do this pick. And 
be the first to get this pick because I actually am not upset with this, but like you were saying, some speed at the top of your lineup. I have Byron Buxton who has the speed and some stolen bases, but I'm actually a huge fan of Cattell Marte. Okay. Uh, I I think he is a really good baseball player. He only has 26 at-bats, but I mean, he's got two home runs through those, and he has, he's hitting 462 through those 26 at-bats. He's been hurt in and out. Uh, well, he's currently on the injured list, so I guess I'll change my pick, and I'm going to go with Jeff McNeil instead mm-hmm. since okay. I was unaware that he was hurt. That's on me. Um, but, yeah, he I'm going to go Jeff McNeil. I really, really like that. I think that he kind of brings a little bit of that sneakiness at the top of the lineup. Yeah, so for my second guy, I am going to go with Adam Frazier out of Pittsburgh. He's got the most hits out of any second baseman in the entire MLB, uh, hitting 299. Only the third least amount of strikeouts in all second basemen as well. Um, tied for the most walks out of, or sorry, tied for second out of almost walks in the MLB. Uh, super productive player. He's going to put the ball in play. Doesn't strike out a lot. And that's a guy I want in my two-hole, maybe even one-hole, because he's played one-hole for the Pirates for a little bit. But he's just that contact hitter you want to see in the one- or two-hole. And worst-case scenario, sliding him in that eight-hole maybe before the pitcher comes up, because he's going to get on base. And then the pitcher could just butt him over after that. So I'm going to go with Adam Frazier just for, like, contact needs and hitting needs. I like him a lot in the lineup. He's just a productive player. It's mostly just because he doesn't strike out, which I love as my second baseman being that type of player. And defensively, he's as solid as he's going to get. He's one of those guys who's going to get in the dirt. He's going to smother the ground ball. He's not going to let too many pass him. So I'm going to go with Adam Frazier there. Okay, I like that. Who's your shortstop? So my shortstop, I'm going to go with Xander Bogarts. Uh, I talked about him earlier. Um, Love the power there. Love the defense up the middle. I already talked about it, so I'm not going to get too in-depth again. So I'm going to go Xander Bogarts. Okay, yeah, I like that. And I will not be able to take Lindor because he is inactive. Uh, let me make sure that the guy that I want to take is active. Yeah, so I'm going to take Trevor. Javier Baez? I, oh, do, <laughs> do not do that because we don't have – I don't think we have time for another rant. Um, I'm going to take Trevor's story. Uh, again, stolen bases. He adds the power. Uh, I just all around like the guy. I think he's a great baseball player. And I get to take the right fielder first, which I am psyched about. Uh, I'm taking Ronald Acuna. Pretty simple, yeah. easy choice there. Uh, I mean, I'm not going to break it down too much more than that because I don't feel like I need to. Uh, yeah. So if you want to give me your right fielder, and then a DH, any DH in baseball. It could be from American League or uh, National League. Yeah, so right field right field this year is interesting. I'm not going with Aaron Judge because I can't stand him. I would have loved to go with Mookie Betts, but he's only hitting 258 this year, which is super disappointing because he's that five-tool guy you would typically expect, but he just hasn't been that. Only four home runs, so he's not really showing the power only 258 average, so he's not really showing the consistency. And only four stolen bases, which isn't really showing the speed too much. He's definitely declined a bit from last year. Not saying he's not a good player, but definitely declined. But, dude, a guy I'm going to go with, I've had so many bad things to say about him before, but he's played really good this year. He's been an anchor in the lineup. Say, he's a power say guy. Think, see, say who I think you're going to say. Bryce Harper. Yeah, I knew it. Bri- I freaking Bryce knew Harper. Hitting 306, seven bombs. Um, he's sitting. He has a 427 on base. He's he's playing well. 
his strikeouts are 32. He's 32 strikeouts, but that's still less than guys like Aaron Judge and Randy Arena from Tampa. Um, Adam Duvall from Miami, who's up there and hitting wise. Your boy Joey Gallo, who you co-signed at the beginning of the year, yeah, he's got yeah. he's got fifty six. <laughs> who's by far the most out of any right fielder, and Nick Castellanos, who is a guy I was looking at as well as twenty eight. But Bryce Harper, I haven't been the biggest fan of his like for pretty much his whole career, but this year he actually is playing like well overall baseball, like just good all around baseball, which I've been waiting to see him do for a while. And I don't mind having him slot in there in a power position, probably hitting about fifth, maybe fourth in my lineup there. And then with a DH, for me, it's pretty simple. I want my DH to hit the ball. I want him to hit the ball a lot. I don't care where it's going. I want him to hit the ball. So I'm going Yerman Mercedes from the Chicago White Sox, hitting 480, um, geez, 482, hitting 382 this year. I mean, he gets on base. And that's what he does. I had J.D. Martinez there. I was thinking about it, but I don't know if I need too many more power guys. So I'm just going to go for an average guy. I can slot there in the middle of the lineup to get those runners moving. So I'm going to go with Yerman Mercedes. Yeah, I I mean, I definitely like that. That's something that you can't be, like, upset seeing because – DHs are hard, like, to pick. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a difficult thing because you can use it as a possible flip and flop or – moving people in and out. And that's why you get so lucky when you play for a a, a AL team is the fact that you get that opportunity to move in and out of the lineup. You can play the field. You can just hit. So there's kind of nice things that come with each thing. But I, I think this is kind of my sleeper of the draft in my DH. And I think I can flip-flop him in the field anywhere in the outfield and even second base uh, is Trent Grisham. Yeah. I I love it. Six stolen bases, five home runs. He's hitting 288, uh, 12 RBIs. He leads off that Padres lineup, and he's just sneaky. Turned himself into a a really good hitter in Milwaukee, and and a lot of us know who he was from that kind of sneaky playoff team. And then he kind of goofed there at the end. But I think he's turned that around and he's become a baseball kind of just absolute tearing the cover off the baseball. So I'm excited to have him as my DH, to be honest. Mm -hmm. Who's your coach? uh, If you had to pick your coach, who's who's your manager of that roster? Who's head honcho? I know I just tossed that out there, but. That's a a hard one. And, And the reason is because I can't say my team's coach because I think he's an idiot at times. So <laughs> I'm going to look and, and oh man, there's so, there's so many that you could choose from. And I, I like Don Mattingly, Bruce Bochy, mm-hmm. Dusty Baker all up there. I mean, those are great coaches, but I, I think the one that I have to ride with, and I don't know if I'm stealing it from you is Tony LaRussa. No. I, I like Tony LaRusso a lot. I think that he is a great coach. And yeah, he coached in Seattle. That hurt a little bit. But I mean, just a great coach in general. And he was an outstanding coach. And he's mm-hmm. turned Chicago kind of around a little bit, too. You know, I mean, that's the exciting part is getting to watch him turn around Chicago quite a bit. Yeah, for sure. Who you got? 
So for my coach, I'm a guy go with a guy who right now is taking a team who we didn't think would be good at all. We just talked about how low of a payroll they've had, taking them there, taking a team that had a curse on them, essentially won a World Series, and he's shown that he can handle stars. I'm going to go with Terry Francona to uh, take over my team. I like Francona a lot, even though he was the Red Sox manager for a while. Not anymore, so I can like him a little bit better now, but he played baseball, <laughs> obviously. He has the experience. Um took the Red Sox to two World Series, one two World Series, and he took the Indians to a World Series as well, even though they blew that three-to-one lead. I think the same year the Warriors blew that three-to-one lead. Yeah, it was so, uh, it was all the Cleveland fans because LeBron was there. Yeah, watching them it, lose it. Yeah, and um, what he's just what he's doing with Cleveland now with one of the bottom three payrolls in the MLB and having them second place and still being there. I think if you give him a team with as much talent. Whether it's either of our teams with as much talent as either of our teams have, I can see him doing a good job with it and knowing what to do. He seems like a very personable guy. Yeah, so the last question I'll throw at you before we end the, the, the episode today, you have the number one pick in the draft, and obviously the Pirates do, but I'm saying you as like a, a coach, GM, whatever position you want to be that gets to call in this draft pick. Yeah. Drafting in this year's draft at number one. I think and you got to go – you're not um, Pittsburgh. No, you're, you're you're not Pittsburgh. You're just you. Yeah. So just who are you taking on a personal scale? No, I think you have to go Jack Leiter. Jack Leiter's just been absolutely insane. That the stats he's put up this year. I mean, sixty-four innings pitched. He's only let up fifteen earned runs. Um, just absolutely shoving out there. Two point one ERA, and um, your second year is not bad. Not obviously not shabby at all. And the thing with Kumar is as much as like Kumar, he would be because I have the I want the Pirates drafting a pitcher. If I'm if I'm, if I'm oh, yeah, 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 I yeah. think they need to draft a pitcher. Um, I want them drafting a pitcher. So I have him and Kumar as the two top guys. And Kumar had that injury, which is why he didn't end up going straight out of high school. Yep. And so if that was that big of a question mark after he was the number one high school prospect for what like three years at one point and teams were not going to take him till the fourth or fifth round, then that injury was just the reason now that I couldn't put him above lighter either. And that lighter's just been able to come in and in 64 innings, throw 106 yeah. strikeouts, uh, which is absolutely insane. I think you got to go with lighter. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I, the only big question for me is I love, I love pitching, uh, obviously. Yeah. A pitcher on pitcher, so it's things that slider. Drew's a slider that you like you've never seen before. If it's on, <laughs> um, <laughs> but no, I, I mean, I like like you said jokingly, and maybe it wasn't a joke. I don't know, but the slider, Jack Lider's got an incredible uh, speed. Like the uh, rotations per minute is just outstanding. Um, so to me, that's a clear number one pick. But I'm going to stay away from pitching. I want, and we'll say I'm the Reds, I want us to take either a shortstop or a catcher. And the reason is I think you can never be too strong at that catcher position, especially when a catcher can play multiple positions. I yeah. like I like Henry Davis from Louisville. Yeah. I think he is, oh, man, he, he's a great prospect. Uh, in, in a down year last year, he he hit 403 last year mm -hmm. through what was that like 20 something games 25 games 
Yeah. So, I mean, he, uh, oh, man. Uh, I'm very excited to see how he goes and turns out in the MLB and in minor leagues and where he starts. But I think that's a great draft prospect. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, when's your boy Hunter Green getting called up? Hopefully soon. Uh, he threw 46 fastballs in his first outing at the alternate site and 30 actually let me let me read you the stat in that per source per source correctly (laughs) so i do not end up screwing it up okay so hunter green threw 43 fastballs um in his first appearance in the uh offsite off can or um offsite facility 37 of the 43 fastballs were 100 miles an hour or better. Wow. According to StatCast, that's the most 100-mile-an-hour-plus fastballs by a starter in MLB since it was used and since it started in 2015 at 20 at 28 mm-hmm. was the last one. That's crazy. Wow, yeah, and that's definitely. Not, and, yeah, he got, he got rocked around a little bit in spring training, but I think part of that is nerves trying to make the roster, and that's, that's part of it. Now you have to let him know that he's okay with being – a part of the roster you're okay with that because i mean we have luis castillo in the rotation who just started tonight who got absolutely shelled around by the rocket or by the rockies and we have a guy that throws 37 fastballs that are over 100 miles an hour out of 43 total fastballs and he's sitting in minor leagues well i mean i just start to question where the decision making comes from and why there's not being more done within the organization yeah definitely that's all i had for tonight yeah, the last thing I want to bring up is just one kid we talked about last week in Khalil Watson, the kid out of Wake Forest High School in uh, Raleigh, North Carolina. Their season has started. They're five games in. He's nine for 16, 600 batting average, 700 percentage of on or se- yeah, 700 on base percentage. And he has scored himself 10 runs, like him scoring in those five cool. games. So he is personally responsible in scoring two runs per game. And he's gone 500, 333, 500, 1,000, and 677 in his first five games so far. So right now, we said he's one of the guys that has the most like possible fluctuation from going up and down. And he's definitely showing why he should move up from that eighth overall yeah. projected spot so far. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's with um, three home runs so far, or two home runs so far as well in the yeah, first and, five games. And I'll tell you, a sneak one for this draft is Tim Elko from Ole Miss. Mm-hmm. He hit a home run last week after we did our podcast with a torn ACL, UCL. Yeah, yeah, you, that yeah. I remember you sent me that video. Yeah, that was wild. But I mean, that's all I had. That was the last kind of thing I wanted to end on. So we'll see. We'll see next Tuesday. We'll yeah, be doing so, this. We'll be doing this in person at the same place. I know that's going to be awesome. So that's going to wrap up episode number nineteen. Can't wait to head down to Columbia uh, this coming Tuesday. Watch my App State Mountaineers take on Drew's South Carolina Gamecocks at Founders Field. That's going to be a super fun time doing that. Like I said, all the podcast in person, a lot of great content, again, coming out to you guys. So that's going to wrap it up for episode number 19 of The Pickup. And for Drew Hartman, I'm Stephen Biddix. We're clocking out, and we will see you guys next week.